welcome to Two Boomer Women. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking with Boomer women for almost a decade now. (laughs) Well, I guess I've been talking to Boomer women all my adult life. Uh, Reinventing myself several times along the way, though, but always focused on us, Boomer women. With this incarnation of Two Boomer Women, I'll be interviewing other women who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at twoboomerwomen.com. If you want to be a guest on Two Boomer Women, bring it on. There's an application form at the website, too. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value. We know how to do it and we must perpetuate the art form. So, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Sex. Are you able to talk about it with others and make eye contact while you do? Or do you get up and go help with the dishes if the subject comes up? When you have a sex partner, do you participate happily? Or do you plan this week's shopping list until it's over? According to most folklore, older women are either tired of putting up with it, and yes, I just used air quotes, or they're cougars cruising bars for younger virile partners. Surely the truth is all over the map. Today's guest contacted me some time ago, and she said something that caught my attention. And I quote, our sexual desires and bodies change over time. We don't always want the same things we did in our 30s, 40s, 50s. I appreciated her sensitivity because we don't hang from the chandelier like we used to. And much of the Kama Sutra would send us straight to physio. Sex talk always attracts people's attentions. And the best part of doing this on podcasts is that you can either turn up the volume and listen with a friend or a partner or both. Or put in the earbuds and go off by yourself. So let's get to it. Liz Dubay, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have a good chat about sex and eroticism and all the juicy stuff that women get to enjoy if they allow themselves. I think that's the operative phrase oftentimes. Let's start at the beginning. Sex therapist can be one of those dream callings. uh, But last time I checked, it wasn't a career choice at my local community college. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about you and how you came to this place. Well, I I think that a couple of different things came together, probably growing up with a very progressive mom. So she was very comfortable talking about sex and sexuality. Uh, When I was 16, I loved listening to the Dr. Ruth show on the radio, 9 (laughs) p.m. every weeknight. And I just that was really enticing to me. And I thought it was just a really fun topic, very interesting And growing up in a progressive home, I was knowledgeable. I had accurate information from my mom and I was able to share that with friends. And I realized, wait a second, other people don't really have this information. And other, like, like you said, in the beginning, people look away, they leave the room or they get excited about it. And I'm, I'm that person who gets excited about it. And I was always interested in psychology and, and helping heal people. And so that profession really seemed like a calling, but this is my second career. So it wasn't until I got older that I realized, okay, this, this is what I'm meant to do. And it's been a fabulous journey. And yeah. 
it's interesting being on Zoom with you because your face lights up with with the excitement about uh-huh. talking about what you talk about. And uh, so I can only imagine that that would make it easier for people to talk to you too. Yeah, I feel it's such a gift to be able to bring someone into a room and see them having such difficulty with the eye contact, such difficulty with the subject, not having words for it, and to be able to create, give them permission and create the space for them to talk openly without judgment, with compassion, with curiosity, and then it just flows. And, and what, a, what a joy that is to be in a room with someone and to see that transformation. I bet, Yeah. And it's funny, I suddenly want to go in a whole other direction, but I'll, I'll, I'll stick to the notes for now. We might, uh, we might just go sideways as we, as we move along. Uh, the audience is boomer women. Uh, it's a fact of life that we older women experience physiological changes that can make sex not so much fun. Can you talk to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that certainly that is an effect of aging, there are resources out there to help you with that. I think a smaller percentage of women experience the, the, the problematic effects physically of menopause and aging. I feel like it's more psychological because like you said in the opening is either you're a cougar or you're I don't know, waiting for it to be over invisible and yeah. And, and really avoiding the topic. And, and so there, there, we come against all these messages that tell us it's not okay to be a sexual erotic being as a woman. And then as we age, Oh, hell no, you don't get to be sexy in your fifties, sixties, seventies that there's so few women that we see in our experience that, are seen as uh, aging and sexy. So I think that there's such, it, it, it is just doesn't align with our way of thinking. And so there's almost this acceptance of as we get older, we're not supposed to be interested in sex. And so then we have to give it all up. And even if we are having phys- physiological changes that result in uh, discomfort through intercourse, why are we limiting sex to intercourse? Why aren't we allowing ourselves to enjoy what we can do with our hands and our mouths and enjoy the tactile experience of being close to someone that we enjoy to go to an erotic place with? Uh, But I think that we get a lot of messages that are sex negative when it comes to aging. And so when when we think of menopause, I think the more women are affected by the psychological impact of aging than they are the physiological. But I could be wrong. Some, some women might think, oh, no, Liz, this is, it's, it's all physical for me. It's not psychological. But I guess that's probably what comes into my office is the psychological. The other truth we hold is that we jiggle more now. We, yeah. we we carry more fat. Our mm-hmm. our breasts quit being perky decades ago. Mm-hmm. I, I used to joke that after three kids, I went from a thirty six B to a thirty eight long. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, <laughs> how do we get past that part of it? You know, what's so tragic is what's wrong with a thirty eight long. Who told us that a thirty eight long is 
no, not as good as a 36B or C or D. We're, we're going off of what we've learned from Hollywood, society, media, what they've been selling us. And, and why is it that we have this negative reaction to what gravity has given us? What, what the, the wise, why are we so focused on this exterior changing as a negative rather than it being, oh, this is just the evolution of, of my years of experience and, 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 but we've created this story and somehow we, I think that a lot of people haven't even considered the fact that this is a story. This isn't, this doesn't need to be your reality. This is a story that you've bought and you're going along with. I'm, I'm singing down my notes here because you mentioned Hollywood and I read somewhere that women in like in movies, if you see, if you're watching a sex scene, they always wear a bra because breasts will follow that gravitational pull and that doesn't look good on the big screen. So oh, yeah. Do you mean older women? No, no, I've noticed it even in uh, young, gorgeous, I, the names yeah. aren't going to come to my. Um, yeah. You know, we do see less boobs, less nipple now than we do. I feel like we used to see more nipple and more boobs years ago. And it is interesting too, the boobs that we see in Hollywood are not usually the boobs that we saw back in, say the seventies or the eighties. We saw these natural boobs that would sag, small boobs, big boobs, whatever size boobs. But now it's, it's all like the It's all the 36 C's is what we see on screen (laughs) if we're going to see them. But yeah, I had never even thought about that, that we're seeing more women with bras. I was actually noticing it recently. And I thought that maybe that was just actresses just saying, you know what? No, I don't care to show my boobs and I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, because we do. So, so do you think that we see them? more when maybe a woman's standing up or do you think that it's a it's a result of the positioning well the movie that comes to mind and maybe it was just because i saw the movie right after is the holly it's called the holiday uh, Mm. where is it kate winslet and whoever switch places Uh uh-huh and who's who's the california Uh, woman (laughs) i have no idea (laughs) i know who she is but anyway i'm not great with movies so absolutely Knocked down gorgeous, slender, mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. They have sex and she's leaning back on the bed and <laughs> I'm doing all the graphics here. Yeah. You can see me. <laughs> but she's wearing a bra, you mm-hmm. know, so, it, and it was sort of really hit home. As I say, it was just an article I read mm-hmm. that said mm-hmm. the reason that women in Hollywood, like in movies, wear bras in the sex scenes is to keep their breasts perfectly aligned because we don't want a nipple looking one way and another nipple looking the other way. (laughs) Yeah, man. Look me straight in the eyes, nipples. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Okay, I'm going to go back to my uh, my notes here. Everybody knows I come with notes. Um, Some boomer women were raised to believe that it was a woman's duty uh, to submit to the sexual needs of her partner. She Mm -hmm. did that, never realizing that she could also find enjoyment in sex, Mm -hmm. that she could instigate a sexual encounter, and that she had wants and needs and desires. Mm -hmm. And they were just as valid as her 
spouses, her partners, whatever. Mm-hmm. She's listening to us right now. That those yeah. women, yeah. <laughs> they're listening mm-hmm. to us right now. What do you say to make them understand that they are sexual beings? They, they can fine tune their needs and desires and expect to have them met. Hmm. Well, you got flesh just like he got flesh. <laughs> and you've got a clitoris just like he's got a penis. And so the idea of us being able to lean into eroticism, I mean, we, we just have it's the flesh. There it is. That's, that's the way we were born. We were born finding our clitoris. We were born, born playing with our genitals in a way that's like, Oh, that feels good. If it feels good, why wouldn't, why isn't it, it, why is this available to us? If, if, if it's not something that is supposed to be within our reach. But I think if you do have this mentality of sex is for my partner, sex is for the man, then it becomes a should rather than a get to. And then uh, we don't even tap into what it is that we long for, what we desire. And it doesn't, it's not even part of, it's like you don't know what you don't know, right? And so if you have flickers of desire erupting and all, and you, and, and all you're focused on is what your partner wants, then those flickers of desire just fade away rather than you doing things to fuel them and get curious and, and learn about your body, uh, give yourself permission to be sexual and advocate for yourself. Just like you advocate for anything else in the relationship is that, Hey, I would like to try some different things. I would like to explore my body in ways that I haven't done before and get them on board because I think actually partners want their partners to be satisfied and to desire sex because it doesn't really feel good to have sex with a person who just wants it and doesn't want you. And so if you're engaged and you're active and you're wanting that partner gets to be on the receiving end of that and and think, wow, this, wow, this feels really good. I feel like I have a partner in this experience rather than someone who's just doing me a favor that she's just doing it because she loves me. And this is not, and if you've never done this in your life and here you are in your sixties or seventies, there's no reason why you can't start now. Two thoughts come to mind there is you had a really open-minded mom. I know my mom was born in 1917. Mm, um, wow. You know, so we, so we have women that were of, of that generation, sort of a Victorian yeah. thing where you didn't talk about sex. The mm-hmm. other thing that just occurred to me is when my children started school, I remember my doctor saying, um, you'll have a good chuckle at like the, the winter concert because all the little like the kindergarten grade ones they all hold hands and he said the reason for that being is if there's left to their own devices they got their hands in their pants that's hilarious I've never heard that but I I knew you were going somewhere with regards yeah. to the hands <laughs> so I mean you know if at five and six what feels really good is to have your hands in your pants mm-hmm. and people teachers parents are saying get your hands out of there don't do that Mm -hmm. you know um Mm -hmm. then it starts really young Mm -hmm. that that self-exploration probably doesn't happen or you feel 
yeah. not comfortable doing it or you sure, certainly don't do it anywhere where you can be seen. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. So many negative messages that we get about exploring our bodies and being sexual. And if that's been happening, if you, if you've held on to those for 50 years, 60 years, there's, a, there's someone unlearning to do. There's lots of resources out there. So you get to. (laughs) So just in terms of Mm self-exploration, is that a good place to start? Like just, you know, like if you don't want to suddenly be changing up what you're doing with your partner after 40 years of marriage Mm -hmm. is to maybe just, you know, whether you're in the bathtub or whatever, just behind a closed door by yourself, whatever. Yes. So the more that you know your body, the more that you can help your partner with your body and your partner. If, if you're, if you're in a a midlife place where maybe you're either at the beginning, middle or end of menopause and you're, you, you've had changes to your genitals that, you know, the, 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 the skin doesn't feel as much pleasure as it did before that you're experiencing dryness and you're struggling with that. Then the touch that you receive now is going to be very different. What feels good is different now than what felt good when you were younger and your partner needs to know, well, what do I do? that maybe your partner figured you out and maybe you've been with your partner 20, 30 plus years. And all of a sudden now this thing has changed in your body and your partner needs some help. Your partner needs to know, well, what, what do we do differently? How, how do we approach this? And I'm guessing that if you've been with your partner 20, 30 years, something has changed in their body as well. <laughs> well, it's in, because that's where I'm going to go now is is to the opposite extreme. Um, the boomer woman who's a product of the 60s and free love, and she would try anything and everything, but she has now been married for 40 years. And her husband, her partner, is seeming to have lost interest. Mm, yeah. You know, I would get curious as to why they've lost interest, that if you're in a heterosexual relationship, and the male has lost interest, and that just baffles you because you think that they're always going to have interest. Well, as men age, their testosterone levels decrease. They start to become a little bit more like us, that they need more outer course. They need more foreplay, and their erections aren't going to show up in the same ways that they did before. And sometimes that's that affects their desire. They may actually want to get naked with you. They may actually want to enjoy going into an erotic space with you, but they may feel like, well, if I don't have the erection that I had before, or if I have no erection at all, then I guess it just means that I'm done. I guess it just means that I no longer get to engage in going to that erotic space because he may have some of the same rigid views of sex as you do. So the idea of I'm, I'm too old to have sex He's thinking the same thing. And so this could be a good podcast to share with him and say, let's start, let's have some conversations about this. Could we just start scheduling some naked time? Could we just start exploring erotic massage and see where that takes us? And 
the two of you might meet in a place that is actually really connected. I've actually had some clients come to me in their late 60s, 70s, and they say, I'm having the best sex of my life. That finally I've moved away from the focus of intercourse performance. And now I'm just focused on pleasure and connection with my partner. And I'm amazed at what's available to me. So at all stages, it, it's an intimate act, but perhaps as we get older, it has to be even more about intimacy as opposed to penis and vagina sex, boom, you know, like mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, yeah. 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 And how great. To be able to experience that. Hopefully you like your partner. It's hard to like a partner after that many years sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like your partner, then start scheduling some naked time, get curious, get some lube, start to explore each other's bodies, see what happens. And yeah, the, 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 the intercourse piece can be painful for women postmenopausal if you, if you haven't uh, if you haven't been using it, then, then this, our tissues, you know, we could have some struggles with that. And, and if, if you haven't really paid attention to what your, your sexual health, then it can be even more painful. So you may be on the same page with your partner. If he's not getting erections and you're experiencing discomfort with any sort of penetration, then okay, great. We can explore everything else. Your, your clit is still working. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) (laughs) On your Podmatch profile, you suggested being a selfish lover actually makes you a better lover. Yes. Yeah. Well, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, that when we approach sex from a place of, oh, I want to do this for my partner. I want to show them I love them and be all about just doing sex for someone else, then that's very lovely. They feel, they may feel loved, but they don't feel desired. And when you show up as I want to take this and this is what I want, this is what I'm interested in. That is really enjoyable to be on the receiving end. Of course, not being selfish in the sense of, Oh, I got mine. See you later. figure yours out, (laughs) but being able to, when when you're a selfish lover, you're more active, you're more engaged. You are showing up with an erotic energy that otherwise might be seen as a favor. I love you, nurturing affection, but the other, the selfish lover that can be really sexy and a huge turn on for a partner. Hey women. (laughs) <laughs> I you, get on it. You, you also pose the question, how do women sabotage their sex lives? Oh, yeah. See, I read your profile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots, lots of women aren't active about fueling their desire. So they leave, they make everything else a priority. The house, their children, maybe your grandchildren. And you put all your energy into, or your careers, you put all your energy into these other things and you're not putting energy into what would make me feel in, 
an erotic, what, what do I need to get into an erotic space? I need to be relaxed. I need to feel good about uh, my, myself as a woman, as a sexual being. And what, what is, what does that take? And if you're not curious about it, then I'm guessing you're distracted in other things. So you're not prioritizing sex. You are maybe saying no really quickly. And you're waiting for spontaneous desire. No, I'm not in the mood. Well, how about you say, hmm, I'm not really feeling it right now, but hey, if you work hard enough, maybe things will kick in. Or, you know, let's kiss for a little while. Let's start with some erotic massage and and see where it goes. But if you always say no right away, then there's this expectation that you're waiting for spontaneous desire. And spontaneous desire is pretty hard to find it if you're at the boomer age that's hard to find you got it and and you can find it though by thinking erotic thoughts and not shutting down those flickers of desire that happen so maybe if you have a flicker of desire and then you start to think oh well you know what Maybe you're not distracting yourself by doing all the other chores, but now you're just not thinking sexy thoughts. You're not doing anything to fuel it. And so then where's, where's desire ever going to show up if you're never putting any energy into it? And so those are, those are really common things. Oh, you know, one, one other common thing is quickies. Oh, sure. Let's just have a quickie. Well, quickies are perfectly fine on occasion. But if the majority of your sexual encounters have turned into quickies, no wonder you're not interested because quickies just really aren't very satisfying for women who, you know, women, we're like crockpots. We need time. We got to, we got to warm that stuff up. And a quickie is going to be an experience that doesn't get you to that peak arousal. And then you go in, then you wonder why it wasn't as pleasurable. And then that's what's in your memory is, well, it wasn't really good last time. Why would I want to do it again this time? And so that kind of, that facilitates this idea of, of stifling desire because it's like, well, that wasn't really delicious. So why would I be craving it? Well, quickies are only fun when you know someone else is going to walk in the door anyways in the next four minutes. Is <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you naughty girl. You. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure if this is your bailiwick, but men now have little blue pills and that erection can last for hours yeah yeah and sometimes I mean when you're 70 you don't have quite the energy that you use. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah well that needs to be a mutual decision those blue pills and you know what I would do is I, you go get into his go get into his uh his his jar of blue pills and you tell him honey we're breaking these in quarters first off <laughs> don't you dare, you know, take the, don't you take the, dare, take that whole pill, take a half, take a quarter or whatever to help you out, but make sure that we're on the same page that, that I'm letting him know I'm a, I'm a crock pot. I need to have some warm up here. And so the moment you take that blue pill, let's start talking about how we can get into that erotic space and check in with me, make sure that I'm available and let's, let's enjoy some outer course, some pleasuring each other before this sucker starts sh- showing up like an 18 year old. And then, and then you're in trouble. 
because we're not meant to be having intercourse for that long. And then the older we get when our tissues are fragile, that that's going to be really uncomfortable. And then you're out of commission and you tell them, dude, that wasn't a good experience. I, I don't know if I want to revisit that anytime soon. So it's not working for you in the end. I find it interesting. I mean, you just finished saying, you know, cut them in half, cut them in quarters. Why would they not have a lower dose or do they? I mean, I, I don't take little yeah. blue pills. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny. Uh, I don't, I actually, yeah, I don't think they have a lower dose for the Viagra. Um, you know, some guys will take a, a, you know, there's other options based on your situation, but ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't prescribe medicine, so I don't quite know, but I, I, I know what my clients have done here and there yeah. to be able to manage it. And, but, you know, it's, it's fascinating though, is a lot of times the guys, they're embarrassed that they're taking the pill. And so then they don't tell their partners and then, you know, sorry, buddy, but I don't have a blue pill. So you're going to have to be my blue pill. You're going to have to help me out here. <laughs> Don't, just let me have a nap and the, then I'll be back. Yeah, don't keep me in the dark here. Like and we've got to be in the same page on the same page. So let them know. Blue pill is fine. You know, figure having a conversation about what works for you. Do you like him to use a blue pill? Would you like him to use less of a blue pill? Would you do you want him to give you a heads up? But being able to to start that conversation. Yeah. No wonder too. It's really interesting talking to you. <laughs> Just even, you know, you were talking about the erotica, the sensual massage, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. is you wonder how many people have jumped straight to the blue pill without going that route first mm-hmm. and finding it super enjoyable, you know, mm-hmm. take the pressure off the erection um, yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, well, I think we're all in a hurry. We're impatient and we lack accurate information. Mm. And uh, I, a lot of a lot of men don't quite understand the mind body connection. <laughs> you know, I get these guys in my office and they they tell me these they 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 show up with erectile dysfunction, and they say, "Liz, I don't know why it's happening." And then they tell me this story that's very connected, either. They aren't getting along with their partner. Uh, they're grieving a loss of something really horrible. They, they're struggling with a lack of purpose. Uh, they have a lot of stress going on. They're feeling depressed. They feel inadequate sexually. Their partner isn't responsive to them. You know, any one of those number of things. And then they, and then they, they tell me this, like they, and I'm just kind of smiling as they tell me their story. And I go, you know, the leg, the hip bones connected to the thigh bone and the, <laughs> dude, come on guys, it's all connected. And in order to get yourself into that erotic space and to get aroused, you have to feel emotionally safe. You have to feel turned on. Uh, you, you can't be distracted and consumed by negative thoughts about performance and you have to feel like it, you have permission to be able to go into the erotic space. And I tell guys, I go, you know, you're evolving. You're starting to, your body is starting to respond more like women. You're evolving. <laughs> <laughs> 
okay, so you have people through your office. How, how many times are you tempted to give them a bottle of massage oil and say, go home and start talking to each other and put this to use? Like, mm. I'm just thinking so so often from yeah. what you've been saying, there's a distinct lack of communication about mm. what we're going through, what we're feeling, what we want, like just on so many levels. Yes. There's just a, a disconnect in the communication department. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I was, I, I get on TikTok all the time. I have such a fun time with that uh, to, to my children's dismay. <laughs> They're so <laughs> mad at me that uh, I was looking over all the videos that I post and it seems almost like 75% of my videos have something to do with communication. It's always a piece. And if you don't feel emotionally safe to communicate, if you don't know what to communicate, if you are uh, paralyzed because you just, you know, you don't know what you don't, you know, what to communicate, it's going to impair things. So a lot of people come to see me just for a normalizing of their struggles, giving them permission to acknowledge that it does require communication. You shouldn't be expected to read your partner's mind (laughs) and, uh, and, and basic, simple suggestions like lube, massage oil, novelty, starting foreplay, across the table during dinner, starting foreplay, the moment you ended your sexual experience through flirtation and validation and positive affirmation. It's all come, it all comes down to come communication is what I say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this might be a really good segue. I read, I don't, maybe on your website, that you used to sell sex toys. Yeah. And have the parties. I was at one of those parties and the person who was running, and I can't remember with the rep, um, she was fun. She was knowledgeable. And it just made talking about it. It was all women at this one particular party, uh, but she does mix mix parties and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about those parties and their usefulness? Oh, boy. Such fun memories. You know what? If I could make as much money at those parties as I do (laughs) as a therapist, I'd go back and do them in a a heartbeat. I had a blast uh, because I love to make people laugh and sex if you can make people laugh, people open up on the topic of sex. And so it's such a, a, a fabulous mixing of creating comfort through laughter and, and entering that erotic space. And so I actually, yeah, that was my segue into the career as a sex therapist because I'm quite pragmatic. I, was, I thought to myself, I don't know, could I be a successful sex therapist? Could I really make great money doing this? Should I really leave my lucrative corporate career to do that? And so I started doing it just for fun, for entertainment. And then I think it was like the first year I made 
top three in sales. And people would say, Liz, you're the best salesperson person. And I said, I'm not a salesperson. I have no idea how to sell anything. I just love talking about sex. And it just, so then people- And you have the knowledge though. I mean, (laughs) yeah. And that was huge. Yeah. Yeah. So what's great about that is you're around lots of other people that are laughing and creating- comfort and normal, uh, a, a, a normalizing of like, we don't have to feel shame about this. And then the, if you can get a sales rep that is knowledgeable, she'll actually talk to you about not just the products, but where, you know, in what cases you can benefit from the products and, and how to customize things based on your needs or your struggles. And so it can be, it can be a blast to have those parties with friends and get, and then people start opening up and you hear your girlfriend say, Oh no, I like this toy. And Oh, this is a fun one. And they share their experiences. And it's just such a safe environment to be able to get accurate information. Not always the most accurate because people actually lie a lot about sex. And I learned that through the parties where I'd be doing my spiel and telling everybody everything of, you know, what I know and, and, and um, telling them fun stories to make them laugh and make them comfortable. And then there'd be, the heckler in the group that was, you know, acted like they knew everything. And then when they go into the private ordering room, ah, it was a whole different story. A lot of people wear masks when it comes to sex. And then a lot of people that would be really shy and quiet, they were the ones who said, okay, here's my, here's my scroll of items. It's like whip out this long scroll of items that they want to purchase. I go, oh, you quiet little naughty girl. I love it. So yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity. I don't know how often people have those parts. I still actually have people reach out to me now, okay. like 15 years later, that'll say, hey, do you still do those parties? No, I don't. I don't. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, like everything else for the last two years, you know, all mm-hmm. those parties went, I mean, even Tupperware went. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, and now, you know, people just order their dildos on Amazon. <laughs> That always cracks me up, you know. Oh boy, I hope your yeah. kids not on your or your or your grandkids are not on. Just don't share your prime membership. With well, them. and I yeah, I just hope too that they don't deliver it to the person next door. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I get my neighbor's stuff all the time, but I never open it up. So, but I should next time see if there's anything juicy in there. <laughs> another way to make money you can have this <laughs> you can buy my silence <laughs> okay one question i wanted to ask boomer women often felt shepherded into marriages with men without getting the chance to understand that they preferred female partners mm, yeah. um, as they get older the men are gone for one reason or another um, and they want to finally be honest with themselves and the world, um, but they lack the confidence, the knowledge. Have you ever dealt with that sort of, or do you have thoughts about that? So can you tell, okay, tell me this again. So, so it's women who maybe started out in heterosexual relationships and then they didn't have an awareness of, oh, I'm actually drawn to females. Mm -hmm. And now there's at this stage of life, this later stage of life of being able to give themselves permission and get curious with uh, being with women, same sex partners Mm -hmm. and where to begin. Is that, you know, next yeah. time I interview you, I'm just going to let you write my notes. 
That's exactly right. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, I, I listen for a living. I have way more fun talking, but <laughs> I do listen for a living occasionally. So, hmm. Yeah, it's almost like being a teenager again. Mm-hmm. If, but if only we could be less judgmental. Because when we're teenagers, we, we normalize the lack of knowledge and we just got curious. And also, you know, all those hormones raging in our body helped give us permission as well. So I think our bodies know what to do. I think that if we get with a person that we feel emotionally safe with and we are compassionate with ourselves and we're open and honest to say, hey, I've never done this before. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the same parts as you, but I, I'm not quite sure where to begin. Well, how fun that could be if you just approach it with curiosity rather than this judgment of I'm supposed to know. And, uh, and so I don't know that you really need a color by numbers uh, prescription. I think it's just this is get curious, start to touch and get, do you like it when I touch with this level of pressure? Do you like it when I touch with this level of pressure? What is it like when I kiss here? Would you like me to begin from, from this part of your body? Would you like me? And, and do you like this? Or do you like that? And, and, oh, you like that? Okay. So when I do that, do you like it faster? Do you like it slow? Or do you like it soft? Or do you like it hard? And so being able to just get curious and just keep being open, uh, blank slate, how exciting that could be. It's a common thread to everything you've said. And it's just that whole communication, mm-hmm. curiosity. And you must be the best sex therapist around because you light up <laughs> oh, <laughs> when you're you so get sweet. talking. So it's, it's great because I could see you really normalizing so much which yeah. as soon as some, one person normalizes it other people can also begin to normalize it yes so yes. Yeah. yeah i'm trying to heal the world one bedroom at a time like i always say <laughs> <laughs> liz i've been all over the map today and i really appreciate you humoring all the questions um what haven't we talked about that you oh, yeah. think boomer women should know about their sexual selves and finding pleasure and fun in sex. What haven't we talked about? Hmm. Oh my gosh. I guess it would be really easy to try to go into specifics, which we don't need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps you've said it just by, you know, talk to your partner, you know, take your yeah, time. Talk and- to your partner, give yourself permission that, that, you know, it, it is, can, can I swear on here? Am I allowed sure. to swear? Yeah. We are talking about sex. So usually it says explicit and then I get permission. I think it's complete bullshit that it, for us to buy into this idea that we are no longer sexual beings because we've got wrinkles because we're sagging. If we have flesh, we are a sexual being. And, and so that to me is don't let, you know, take, get Hollywood out of your bedroom and just start within yourself of, of what would feel good. And you deserve to be able to have pleasure. Give yourself permission to have pleasure, permission to be a sexual being. Nobody gets to tell you whether or not you're a sexual being. You are a sexual being. 
And that to me is, is if I, if I had one thing to say to women who are aging, to anyone who's aging is that. I'm leaving the pregnant pause because it's like a mic drop moment. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You're a sex and relationship therapist. Tell our listeners what you do and what you can do for them. Yeah. Well, my practice is in California. So you Canadians don't get to come and see me too bad. You don't Um, do Zoom? Oh, yeah, sure. We can do Zoom. We can do Zoom for coaching. But if you have intense therapy that you like to do, then then I only do therapy with Californians. But if you want some coaching and just some tools and tips and resources on how to be able to improve your sex life, then I do definitely offer coaching through Zoom. And then I've got a four week program for women specifically who'd like to reignite their sexual desire. And across four weeks, you work with me and group of other women anonymously of course because we want to keep our anonymity because for some reason not everybody feels comfortable talking about sex so I allow them to stay in their private uh, zoom uh, secret little hideaways and it's It's when you recognize your mother's voice on the other Yes. <laughs> yeah. You have to have the, one of those, those voice uh, adjusters, right? Yeah. So it's really just me on screen live every week. You get to so have, that could be a distance thing then. Like yeah, definitely. Yeah. Everybody pretty much is distance when it comes to that four week program. And it's so great for women who've either never felt sexually empowered. And so they're looking for ways to find that or for women who did at one point, but now they've just lost desire at the point in their lives and they're wanting to figure out how to reignite them that. And so across, across four weeks, you'll be able to work with me on that. You'll get tons of resources and worksheets each week to be able to evolve and get to that place of feeling like sex is actually a get to rather than a chore or a non-existent piece of your life. And each week you'll, you can join me for Q and A's and ask your specific questions so that I can really uh, guide you in the direction that you need to, uh, because it's not a cookie cutter program. It's really to help each individual woman with whatever it is that she's struggling with. And you can always find that on my website, Talk Sex with Liz. That's where everything is. You can go visit me on TikTok. You can visit me on uh, YouTube. And uh, I'm on Facebook too, but I don't know. I don't I don't have as much fun there because I, I have much more fun doing the little videos and stuff. Yeah. I, well, I'm glad you said, uh, so it's Talk Sex with Liz. That's your uh-huh. website.com. Yeah. And the YouTube channel, I think you can link to your YouTube channel from the website. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you. Um, Those links, I always put them in the show notes. So that's great. Great. Listeners, if you have comments on today's show, you can leave them where you're listening. And we can be found at iHeartRadio or Spotify, Apple. Most places a person would listen to podcasts. There's always the website, twoboomerwomen.com. To leave your comments, click the Join the Conversation tab. Leave stars and reviews as they help us grow. And before you go, hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests. Share this episode with two friends you trust and listen with them or listen with your partner. Talk with them. Maybe find a sex toy party. COVID rules are relaxing and they really are fun. Check out Liz's website and claim your right to a fun and satisfying sex life. 
If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, there's an application form at the website too. Liz Dubay, thank you so much for being my guest on podcast today and sharing such great thoughts. I mean, you made it sound almost simple, but I, and mm. I appreciate that because yeah, we can still be sexual beings after 60. Yeah. Sex is simple. If we can get over our hangups, thanks for having me. It's been really lovely. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you.